The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express Network. Talk radio that informs. Talk radio that inspires. Talk radio that enlightens. Talk radio for us all. Blessings. I'm Dr. Linda, your certified relationship specialist, certified life coach, and certified diversity executive. I'm also the CEO of Turning Point Leadership Group, where we help you realize and manage your turning point, the point where a significant change in direction occurs. I'd like to welcome you to this version of Welcome to uh, Relationship Remedy. This is the place to discuss hot topics related to the health of your relationships. So bring us your questions, concerns, and comments, and most of all, bring an open mind. If you have something you'd like to share, you can reach us at 347-637-2319. Again, 347-637-2319. So I'm not sure where you're listening from, but I've got to tell you, it's a great spring day here in Atlanta. Spring is a time of new beginnings, but often before we can start something new, we have to put an end to something that already exists. So today's topic, we're talking about breakups, how to get over it when it is all over. Relationships are hard work. We know that. And ending a relationship is hard, and it really doesn't matter if it was your decision to end the relationship or the other person's decision. You might be dealing with some painful emotions and want to deal with those feelings as quickly as possible. And there are several ways that you can work through your painful emotions and start to move on. You can do things like writing about your feelings, allowing yourself about rebound relationships. Keep in mind that getting over a breakup takes time and it takes patience. If things don't seem to get better with time, remember that you can always turn to friends, family, or even a mental health professional for support. So what I'd like to talk to you about today is primarily three things. I'm going to share with you some breakup stories, and I'll provide my own little commentary around each of these. So we'll talk about some breakups that have happened. Trust me, when you hear about some of these breakup stories, it will bring a little levity into your life and make you feel like, okay, my situation was not that bad. So we're going to talk about a few breakup stories. Then I'll give you some tips for recovering from a breakup, particularly a bad breakup. I want to make sure that if this is something that you're going through or something that you're thinking about, that you at least know what to do to help get yourself on a good path. And then lastly, talk about some ways to start over, because as I said, you should look at this as a new beginning. You know, if if spring is bringing new flowers, new weather, new all kinds of things, this can be a new beginning for you. So let's get started with some of these uh, breakup stories. Here's one, and I'll read it to you. 
My boyfriend was a serious mama's boy who insisted on having dinner with his mom at least twice a week. During one of those dinners, his mom looked at me, took my hand, and said, we have to talk. I got really nervous and tried to catch my boyfriend's eye, but he was just intently staring at his lap. She gently told me things weren't working out between me and my boyfriend and that she thought it was best for me to leave. I tried to convince my boyfriend to talk privately in the other room, but he would not respond. I could not believe it. My pansy-ass boyfriend made his mom break up with me. Wow. As I said, when you hear some of these stories, you will be so relieved that that did not happen to you. So first of all, the fact that she calls him a serious mama's boy should have been an indication. I think many times if we're better about choosing our mate, then there's less to deal with in the relationship itself. So why would you want to be in a relationship with the mama's boy? What were some of the signs? I mean, did he always have to ask his mother's advice? Did he always need to be comforted by his mother? Was he someone who uh, couldn't make a move without mama's blessings? What were the signs that she overlooked? I think it's awful that he had his mom break up for him, and he was sitting right there doing absolutely nothing as mom is breaking up with his girlfriend. But I do think that as a result, this particular person who, who wrote in with this scenario, she will be better at looking at the signs of a mama's boy moving forward. And when she sees those signs, run. I mean, do not stop, do not pass go, do not collect your $200, just run. Because even if the relationship doesn't end, and even if it's not a situation where mama steps in for him, mama is going to be running things throughout the relationship. So lesson learned from that scenario is avoid anyone that you consider to be a serious mama's boy. And this one happened to be written from a female. It could work the other way. You know, it could work where you're dating a woman who is such a daddy's girl that daddy runs her life, you know, where she doesn't allow any decisions to be made without consulting daddy, where whatever daddy says go, whether she wants to do that or not. I mean, you know the signs. It's the same thing as mama's boy in reverse. If that's the case, men, you need to understand that you will always take a back seat to daddy, and daddy is really going to be the head of your relationship. So let that be a warning to you. All right, so here's situation number two. We're talking about breakups, how to get over it when it is all over. And if you want to comment on any of these scenarios or if you have one that you'd like to share or perhaps get some advice on, the number to call is 347-637-2319. So here's number two. This one uh, actually comes from Poland. I found this one on the Internet. A man got the shock of his life when he visited a brothel and spotted his wife among the establishment's employees. The woman had been making some extra money on the side while telling her husband she worked at a store in a nearby town. Needless to say, the couple, married for 14 years, is now divorcing. Wow. So my first question is, what was he doing visiting the brothel? You know, it's very easy to focus on the fact that, wow, his wife was working in a brothel, but he was a patron of the brothel, so it sounds to me like they were kind of made for each other. But, again, there you go. You know, there was another one that um, was similar to this, took place in another uh, country. In fact, I think it was in Taiwan, if I'm not mistaken. But um, guy popped in a porno DVD and saw that his wife and uh, his best friend were the two porn stars. 
So, again, lots of times they're red flags, and we just have to stop and think, what are some of the red flags and what do I need to do about it? You have no way, unless you're constantly checking on someone, which I don't suggest, you have no way of knowing where your spouse is all the time. But, again, what are some of the signs? And so if your spouse is saying, and in this case it was a woman, could have been a man, if your spouse is saying that they're working a part-time job to make extra money, you might want to ask some questions about the job, where it is, those kinds of things. You might want to offer to drive them to work or pick them up on some uh, occasions. If something inside is telling you that, you know, there's something wrong here, then you need to go with your gut because there probably is. Number three, my ex and I were engaged. We lived together, and my children were very close to him. One late night after a party, he left the apartment to get a pack of cigarettes. It wasn't an uncommon thing for him to do, but when he wasn't back by 4 a.m., I got worried and called. His phone was off. The next day, he called to tell me it was over. He left everything he owned in our house and never came back again. You know, so many times on sitcoms you hear the, the joke about, you know, guy goes out for a pack of cigarettes or a loaf of bread or, you know, a carton of milk, whatever the case might be, and they never come back. And so here's someone that actually experienced that. And I cannot imagine what that must feel like. I'm sure the first thing that goes through your head is, you know, is he safe? Did he get in an accident? Do I need to find him? You know, do I call the police? I mean, we already know that police aren't going to get involved until 24 to 48 hours to really consider it a missing person. But just imagine the insensitivity that someone must have in order to put a loved one through that. You just leave and never return, and you know they're going to be worried about you. And then, okay, I can imagine when she started calling and the phone was off, after a while your thoughts probably do start to shift from are they safe or is he doing something that he has no business doing in this relationship, and that's why the phone is off. So that poor woman probably got no sleep that night. And then for him to just call the next day and say it's over and leave everything he owned kind of makes you feel like, okay, he's been planning this for a while. He's probably been building a new home somewhere else with someone else. All of the things that he needed in terms of clothes and things, he had already been stockpiling over at the new woman's house so he could very easily walk away from everything that was at his ex's place. You know, it, it brings to mind some of the, the movie scenes, you know, where you understand why women get together and, and bring all the stuff out on the front lawn and light it on fire. Now, again, that was in the movies. I'm not suggesting you do that, but these are the kinds of situations that bring that to mind. So here's number four. I met Adam online. When we finally met in person a few months later, I fell in love with him. We dated for nine months. He was even my first. I thought things were going quite well when he announced out of the blue that he was moving back to his hometown. I was sad, but I didn't think we needed to break up because the town was only two hours away. When I said so, he confessed that he was moving home to get back with his ex. Then I found their wedding announcement online. The wedding date had already passed. He'd been married a month before he broke up with me. Wow. So a couple of things come to mind in this one. One is it's not bad to meet someone online. I mean, in today's day and age, it happens a lot. And there are a lot of successful love stories that come out of that. 
But you have to remember that when you meet someone online, you're meeting their representative. You're meeting who they want you to see them as, and that's not necessarily who they are. So feelings rise up a lot quicker when you're dealing with someone that you've met online as opposed to someone that you're seeing face-to-face all the time. I don't know how often these people got to see each other face-to-face, but, you know, clearly they did take it from an online relationship to being a face-to-face one because it does say that they finally met in person a few months after they met online. So by the time she met him, she probably already had all these strong feelings, feeling of love based on the representative that he sent to the, to the uh, online site. Another thing that jumps out at me in this particular one is Adam's bride needs to be careful because he's already shown who he is. So the person who sent this one in, I mean, I say to you, you know, good riddance because you can already see what his character was like. All right, so I'm going to give you a few more, and then we'll talk about some tips should you become uh, involved in uh, a bad breakup. So here's number five. When a husband found out that his new wife took too long in the airport restroom, he decided to get on the plane without her. The woman in question, a teacher, had gone to use the facilities at the airport before boarding a flight back to Saudi Arabia. Exactly how long she stayed in the toilet remains unclear. What is certain is that she emerged to discover her husband had vanished without a trace. The woman who had paid for the holiday began a desperate search of the airport and grew increasingly concerned that something terrible had happened to him. When he arrived at his destination, he calmly told relatives that his new wife was still in Malaysia. His bride was not so calm about his behavior. She demanded an immediate divorce. Okay, and this one I think, bro, man, was looking for a way out. He saw it. He jumped on that plane. I mean, who does that? He wasn't concerned about her. He didn't go look for her. Again, good riddance. Number six. My boyfriend and I worked at the same very small company. It wasn't technically against policy for us to be dating, but we didn't exactly publicize the fact. We'd been on the rock, so I was pretty sure things were coming to an end, but I definitely didn't think it would happen the way it did. The day after a pretty nasty fight, I came into work to find an email to the entire office announcing his resignation and the end of our relationship. All right, so you already know I'm going to tell you that dating people at work is dangerous, especially when it's a very small company, as she states here, because it is hard. If the relationship doesn't work, then you still have to come back to work and see that individual every day. And if they start in a new relationship, it's in your face. And your employees, your coworkers, they have a sense of what's going on. So dating someone at work, particularly in a very small company, is dangerous. And then she talks about she knew that things were coming to an end. I think lots of times we take what we think is the easy way out and we just kind of let things fizzle out and run its natural course. But you don't know what's going through that other person's mind. And so for you, you might feel like, okay, I'm letting them down easy and I'm just going to let this thing slide. They may start to feel rejected, and if they don't deal well with rejection, you never know what their reaction might be. In this case, he made a public announcement that they were ending the relationship. Two more, and then we'll get to tips. So number seven, when my boyfriend lost his job, I let him move in with me while he got his life back together. Instead of finding work, he got hooked on drugs. I came home one day to find him gone. He'd left all of his stuff but had taken my $20,000 engagement ring from a former relationship with him. I never heard from him again. 
wow, red flags all over the place. So not saying that you should or should not allow the boyfriend to move in when he doesn't have a job, but, hey, he didn't have a job. Then um, he gets on drugs. So were there signs prior to? Did he have that kind of addictive personality? Was he already a drug abuser? Was he a recovering drug abuser? Because many times there are triggers that will get someone back on becoming an addict again. And then I'm wondering why you still had that $20,000 engagement rate. So I understand that you may not have given it back based on the circumstances, but it's just a reminder. And if you were over that relationship, you should have sold it, pawned it, done something with it. But why just leave a $20,000 engagement ring from a form of relationship lying around? Lastly, here's one. My boyfriend and I were dating for eight years. He was my best friend. We finally decided to move in together and made a date to go and look for our new apartment. The day before, he decided he wasn't happy anymore and broke up with me via text message. Wow. That's taken social media way too far. I realize that we are a society now where we will text before we talk, but there are still some things that you need to do face-to-face, and clearly that was one of them. So I guess the good thing in there is um, she found out before they moved in together, and so she can just go ahead and move on. So like I said, you know, your situation, no matter how bad it might seem or how it might feel, I think you can realize that there are some people that have it so much worse when it comes to how their exes broke up with them. But regardless of how it happened and regardless of whether you initiate or you're the one that was dumped, um, it's hard. You know, it's hard when a relationship ends. And there are certain things that we need to do to make sure that we get through it okay. So one of those things is allow yourself to mourn. Many times we want to suck it up and be strong, But all that really does, if you don't let it out, it's still inside. And as other events happen that are emotional for you, things just keep building and building and building. And at some point in time, something that seems very minor is going to release a flood of emotion because of all the things that you've been holding on to. So instead of trying to be tough and burying your feelings, allow yourself to feel it all. If you need to call in or call out of work sick, do that, you know, or work from home on a given day. You know, if you happen to still be in school, see if you can get the notes from other people and miss a day or two of class. Allow yourself to cry. Cry a lot if you need to. It's purging. It's a cleansing. It gets it out and helps you come to grips with the fact that what you had is gone. Let yourself feel the flood of emotions entirely and allow yourself to go through the five stages of grief. Every time we grieve something, whether you realize it or not, you go through denial first. Denial is finding it hard to believe that it happened. No, this could not be true. Uh, I'm, this just did not just happen to me. That, that's kind of that denial phase. And you start looking for excuses saying, you know, okay, he didn't just run out on me when he went to get those cigarettes. Something happened. You know, that, that's denial. When you find out the truth, you get into stage two, which is anger. When you realize, yes, he left and he took my $20,000 engagement ring, or yes, that was just my wife that I saw, you know, working at a brothel, whatever it might be, after you get over the denial, the anger sets in. And after anger comes a stage that we call bargaining. Bargaining is where you're kind of working it out in your own mind saying, well, maybe if I just am a better spouse, they'll come back. Or maybe if I would stop, you know, nagging. Or maybe if I would stop being demanding. So that's the place where you're trying to work out a deal to make the relationship better. Then you get depressed. 
And many times that's when people turn to things like drugs and alcohol. And finally, after you've run through all of those, you get to acceptance. This is my life. This is what happened. Here's what I learned from it. Here's what I'll do differently in the future. And you keep it moving. So allow yourself to go through all five of the stages. You're going to go through them anyway. Just recognize what they are. Don't try to fight it. You also want to work through your issues. Come to grips with whatever you may have done to contribute to the breakup. And in some cases, maybe it was just that you were in denial and didn't see the red flags all throughout the relationship. But you want to learn lessons from it so that you don't make. Learn how to channel your anger because you're going to become angry. So learn how to channel it in a healthy way, whether it's through music. You know, turn on the music while you're going through your morning period and just have a personal private dance party. You know, maybe it's through writing. You can write very positive things or you can write all the negative things that you're feeling. If you write the negative things, I would suggest that you tear them up or throw them in the fireplace or do something. Not only is it symbolic of your burning up all that negativity, but it also prevents you from having that around you so that you don't get tempted to go back and keep rereading and rehashing it. Maybe go do a workout, go for a run, join the gym, something. You need to find some healthy outlet to channel the anger. And, of course, you want to turn your loss into a learning experience. You know, as I said, what did I get from this? How did I contribute to it? What can I do differently in the future? Although you're unable to alter the past, you can always learn from your mistakes. And if nothing else, lessons can always be learned from a failed relationship. Even when you look to other um, disciplines, when you look to things like sports, you know, we hear about people who were spectacular in their chosen sports. But when you read their stories or learn their stories, they'll tell you that they failed many more times, you know, like like the home run kings and so forth, had many more strikeouts than they did have failures, I mean, than they had successes. But the reason is they kept getting up to bat, kept getting up to bat, and that's what you're going to have to do. The relationship, this particular relationship may have come to an end, but you don't want to go and hide somewhere. You've got to keep getting back up and trying it, but try it lessons learned. Another tip is to focus on your best qualities. Try writing down the five best things you have to offer the world. What are the things that you like about you? What are the things that other people like about you? Remind yourself that you have value and internalize your self-worth. Words have power. So write positive affirmations. Post them where you can see them. You know, be like Mary Jane. (laughs) Post them so you can see them and say them aloud every day so that you hear them and start to believe them because words have power. If necessary, you can reinvent yourself. Sometimes you have to rediscover yourself. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the other person and in the relationship itself that we lose who we are. We forget things that made us happy. We no longer know what our hobbies were. So what you may have to do is spend time with people who love you for you. All of the good, the bad, and the ugly, they just love you for you. Pick up a new hobby. Try something new. Get your hair done a different way. Go on a trip with some friends. Lose weight. Gain weight. You know, whatever you need to do, catch up on things you've always wanted to do and just spend time focusing on you. Please make sure that you don't do any stalking. (laughs) This is another tip. Many times when we lose someone and the relationship is over, we're so preoccupied with them that we want to know, well, I wonder where he is or I wonder who's with or whatever the case might be. You know, I know they normally go to the gym at this time. I wonder if he's at the gym. No, 
Stop thinking about where they are and what they're doing. Don't try to make those anonymous calls to see if they answer. Don't drive by to see if the car is parked out front. Don't, you know, innocently, quote, run into them at their favorite breakfast spot. All of that amounts to stalking. Just let it go. And make sure you stay single for a while. Take some time to regroup and refocus on you. Stay busy. Throw yourself into work or into your career or into your hobby or or whatever the case might be. Just stay busy. Surround yourself with supportive, positive people, not people who are going to bash the person you broke up with or bash relationships and dating in general, uh, people who have nothing but negative things to say about other people. Avoid them. Avoid the gossipy people. And just surround yourself with people who are positive and supportive of you. Find healthy ways to deal with the pain. So in other words, don't start drinking, uh, don't do casual drugs, don't do casual sex. Many times, you know, there's that old saying about the best way to get over a man is to get under one. No, no, it doesn't work. All you're doing is creating more drama in your life and you're connecting with someone that you're not ready for, which leads to my next tip. Be aware of the rebound relationship. Usually, the first person you get involved with right after a breakup, particularly a breakup from a serious relationship or a long-term relationship, that next person is a rebound person, and they're not going to last because you're not yourself. You haven't gone through all of these tips that I suggested just yet, and so your needs are different, and that person is stepping in to meet your vulnerability, not the real strong you. So when you get back on top, and you start feeling better, that person is no longer what you need, and they usually aren't the one. So stay away from the rebound relationships. That's why you need to do all of these other things and heal instead. And if you feel it's the right thing for you, consider seeing a therapist. In 2016, we should no longer have any kind of hang-ups about going to therapy. You know, all of the old school thinking of, you know, they don't know me, they don't know my problems, I'm not going to talk to a stranger, I'm not going to tell somebody my business. Whatever you had been doing wasn't working. So meet someone who's trained and skilled to help you move in a different direction. Don't go to Mama and them, don't go to Pookie and Ray Ray because their lives are no better than yours. Go to somebody who's trained as a professional to give you an outsider's objective opinion on your situation. And most of all, be patient. These things are going to take time. You did not become who you are overnight. The problems in your relationship did not happen overnight. And so healing, reinventing yourself, being more positive, developing a healthier self-esteem, those kinds of things are not going to happen overnight as well. After you've done all that, what I really want you to do is the third thing I said we talk about on the show. I said I would share some breakup stories with you. I would give you some tips for how to recover and ways to start over, and that's where we are now. So I want you to see a breakup as a new beginning. Even if you felt that was the love of your life that you just lost, you now are faced with a new opportunity, and you have no choice but to start over again. So you need to set some relationship boundaries. There's a good book called Boundaries in Dating by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. It's called Boundaries in Dating, How Healthy Choices Grow Healthy Relationships. We set relationship boundaries for two reasons. One is to help define us. Who am I? What do I like? What don't I like? What are my turn-ons and my turn-offs? What are deal-breakers? What kinds of things do I need 
to have around me to enjoy myself. So boundaries help define us, but they also help protect us. Boundaries are things that keep you from getting uh, connected with the wrong people. Boundaries are the things that make sure that you don't become a totally different person just because you're trying to please the person that you're with. So you definitely want to set some relationship boundaries. And the more you go through the tips that I gave you and the more you just kind of hang out with positive, supportive people of both sexes, both genders, not necessarily in relationship, but just getting your groove back, not sexually, but getting your groove back, it will help you establish those boundaries. So what do I mean, Bob? Here are just a couple before we close. Words can be boundaries. Telling someone no and being honest about how you feel, that's a boundary. You know, you can use your words as boundaries. You can say what you need. You can say what your expectations are. Words can be a boundary. Distance is a boundary. Sometimes you have to allow time or physical space between two people, you know, just to protect yourself or as a consequence for someone else's irresponsible behavior. So just because he's calling doesn't mean you need to answer. Men do that lots of times. That's one of those lessons that women need to learn from men. Distance can be a space. And sometimes other people can be a boundary. Use supportive friends to help you keep limits. If you know that you have a weakness in a certain area, then you need to use your friends to help you stay on top of that. So as I wrap up, let me just give you a couple of things with respect to setting those boundaries. Here are some takeaway tips, and these come from the book Boundaries and Dating. Dating involves risks and boundaries, and they help you navigate those risks. Boundaries are your property lines, which define and protect you. Learn to value what your boundaries protect, such as your emotions, values, behaviors, and attitudes. Boundaries help you be yourself instead of losing yourself in someone else. You want the person you date to take responsibility for his life as you do or her life. And good boundaries will help you choose better quality people because they help you become a better person. So I thank you for your time today. My time is up, and I just want to close by letting you know that it's my desire to strengthen families by prescribing remedies for your relationship challenges. You're going to face breakups. The the key to it is knowing how to stay on top instead of being sucked in. So hopefully something that was shared today will help you get over it when it's all over. Thank you for letting me speak into your life. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. For more content, visit us at thecocoexpressshow.com.